0: Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, today's show is brought to you by SAS Footwear. Making the decision between wearing stylish shoes or comfortable shoes should not feel impossible, you guys. SAS Footwear makes that decision easy with shoes and sandals to keep you on your feet all day in style. Go to sasfootwear.com. That's www.sasfootwear.com. Enter the code HAPPYHOUR and you're going to get free shipping on your first order at SAS, where style feels good. All right, my friends, you are listening to episode number 191. It is the first week of May. May is just the best month ever. So much in May. Happy Hour Live is this weekend. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to see some of your faces there. On Sunday is my birthday, but today, Christine Kane is here. You guys, I'm a fan of this woman, and let me tell you, she's on fire. Just on fire. I joked to my friends after I recorded this interview that I said five words the whole time. And you guys, I didn't even care because Christine brought so much truth to us in this episode that I just wanted to sit back, put my feet up, and listen. Her passion for the word, the local church, and people is contagious and exciting. I know that you're going to be encouraged today by listening to our conversation. Y'all, I'm turning 40 on Sunday. You know what? I don't even care. I am so excited about 40. I'm serious. I think 40 is going to be amazing. Well, here's what I'm asking you. I'm doing something a little different this year. I want you to give me a gift. There I am. I'm asking for a gift, but it's a little bit different. Here's what I want you to know is I'm a big fan of Compassion International, and I would love for you to partner with them to help a child in need. Last summer, I traveled to Kenya with them and my friend Sophie Hudson. She brought her son and I brought one of my kids. We had the most phenomenal time getting to see on the ground the work that Compassion International is doing. We talked about it in our episode. Here's where you can go back and listen to Sophie and I talk about our time with Compassion. If you go to episode number 146, you're going to hear Sophie and I talk about our time there. You guys, I would love it if you would consider sponsoring a child this month. I want to get 40 kids sponsored because I'm turning 40. It's all I want, you guys. Our family has sponsored three kids over our lifetime. And in fact, we just got a letter recently that's the very last letter that our little girl, Kiera, that we sponsored from Peru would ever write us. She's graduated. She's going on. She's doing big things. So- We're going to sponsor another child. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I'm not going to do as well. So if you would go to Compassion.com slash Jamie, there, you're going to see where you can sponsor a child. Also, you guys, here's the really cool thing that Compassion is doing is for every child that sponsored the first 40 that are sponsored, you're going to get a free copy of my book and I'm going to sign it for you. So go check it out. Go check out my blog, and you can see where I'm talking more about this, jamieivy.com slash blog. I would love to partner with you guys as you partner with Compassion to release kids from poverty. All right, guys, here is my conversation with Christine Kane. Hey, Christine, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie, I'm so fired up about being on this with you. This is so fun because you've been a much requested guest. Um, I'll just say that people have been asking for you for a while. And so the people are happy. And, wow. And we want to make the people okay, happy. Okay, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> um, you know, this is so fun because I have been a fan of yours and been a fan of your ministry and the things you're doing with A21. For a long time. And so it truly is my honor to get to hear about you and everything that you're doing. And I know that you and your family, you have two girls. And so I want to talk to you about raising teenage daughters as well, because I'm a couple of years behind you, girl. How old are yours? Well, I have three boys that are 14, 12, and almost 13. And then I have a girl who's 10. Oh,
1: wow. Now, you know, I know I'm, I'm Greek, so I'm into arranged marriages (laughs) and I don't mind
0: younger men. (laughs) Hey, I've got some good men over here that I'm super proud of and I'm excited about my boys. Now, raising daughters is harder for me. And I don't know if I'm a hard mom to a daughter, but we sometimes hit, we bang heads all the time. (laughs) I don't know what it is.
1: Um, I'm a bit more yeah both of mine are strong it's basically we get what we raise <laughs> and so um, when we're raising daughters to be confident in God and know, get their identity in Christ and you know be strong and courageous. Well, we reap what we sow. <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> this is that
0: <laughs> is exactly right. And my daughter is bold and strong, and I just pray like God capture her heart and let her lead people to you because she can do it. She come is on, come so on. <laughs> strong and bold. Okay, Christine. Now I just want to start off with this is that I met you a couple weeks ago at the IF Gathering. And yes. I want to tell you don't know this, but I'm gonna tell you that you said a lot of things on stage that were really profound and beautiful and lovely, but you said something that you might not even realize in a conversation between me and you and Lauren Chandler backstage. Do you remember that small conversation? I do remember us standing there. I'm nervous about what I might have said, but okay. <laughs> no, girl, you had just got off like preaching, and so I know when you when I get off the stage, I feel like I don't know what's happening. But let me refresh your memory as to what you said because this has stuck with me, Christine, since then for weeks, however long it's been since If Gathering. You got off the stage and you just laid it all out there. Uh, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. God moved. All those things. You got off. I was talking with you and Lauren, and one of us said, man, you were so brave in saying some things that you said. And this is what you said to me, to us. You said, it's not bravery. It's just telling the truth. Yes. And girl, let me tell you, I have thought about that since then. Is that yes. and and you know that was do from the stage, and it was just you don't even plan that or think about it, but I've thought about that so many times in even like parenting or the ministry that I have or whatever we do is sometimes um bravery is just telling the truth, and you seem to be standing on that really strong these days in every aspect of your ministry,
1: very much so, and I mean you know. Because the fact is, I, I love freedom. You know, I know what it was like to be bound and I love being free. And um, without truth, there is no freedom. And, mm. you know, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So um, a lack of truth is what ultimately leads to, to bondage. And also, I think when I became a Christ follower, it's been nearly 30 years now, and um, felt the call to, you know, communicate the truth of God's word. that's not up for grabs. That's not negotiable. And just because culturally there's been so many shifts, you know, I I don't want to, I'm 51 and a half years old. I didn't sell sell out and be all in to following Jesus 30 years ago to basically dilute it all and Step back in fear now. Mm. Um, You know, I feel like this is the hour for which we were born. And um, I think if we can get really good at speaking the truth in love, perhaps historically uh, in some sectors of the church world, we haven't been great at speaking the truth in love. Well, the antidote to not speaking the truth in love is not to throw out truth in the name of love. It's actually to get better at speaking the truth in love and repent of any attitude that never did that. So to me, the truth sets people free. Why would I not want people to know the truth? And I do remember that conversation now clearly. And, um, because I'm thinking about over the last 12 months, maybe 18 months, the number of people that have said to me, wow, Chris, you know, you're bold or you're courageous or you're strong. Well, I've always been, I've always been accused of those things anyway. So. Um, but I thought, isn't it, I, I don't know, I don't quite know what to think about that, that when we're thinking about proclaiming the truth as something that is out of the ordinary for people that actually are supposed to be proclaiming the truth.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think it just stuck. It stuck out to me so much because I felt like I was looking at you, going, "Wow, what bravery that must take!" And you just kind of shot us down, not in a mean way at all, but saying, "It's not bravery, you guys. It's just what we're supposed to do." Like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's what. You know,
1: I'm not here to actually tell everyone what my opinion is. I'm here to, in love and grace, proclaim the truth of the Word of God because it has set me free, and I want to see a generation set free. I mean, I just, I just know what it's was like to be bound um, for so long. And I, I love to see people set free. So only the truth will do that. And sometimes, you know, of course, like with our own parenting, telling my kids the truth, it's not always what anyone wants to hear, but it is what will set them free. And so, you know, especially in a, a time on the earth where truth is becoming so relative and, you know, so situational and and people are just modifying it based on how we feel. But my opinion or my feelings are not God, nor are they truth. Uh, It's the word of God that declares the truth and God is good and God does good. So a good God's going to tell us good Mm -hmm. truth to set us free. And so I feel like I'm doing uh, people a favor. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like when you take your
0: medication and you think, I don't like what this tastes like, but boy, I love the effect that it has. That's right. That's right. Okay, so I don't know, and I'm assuming if I don't know, there's people listening that don't know. You talk about how uh, you got say, 30 years ago, so uh-huh. you were 20. Uh, well, girl, I'm 51 and a half. I'm nearly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so tell me how God changed your life. How did God wreck your world then?
1: Yeah, you know, and again, it's it's been ongoing, but there were a few really dramatic things that happened uh, for me. I grew up in a Greek Orthodox home, so I certainly grew up with a, a knowledge of God, but it was extremely... Um, uh, I don't know how to word it, but, you know, I, I would hear all my life, Christine, if you do that, God will punish you. If you do and it seemed uh-huh. like one thing I did, God would punish me. And of course, it was. A woman would have never thought, you know, I could do anything in terms of other than be a nun. That might make you laugh. That I once <laughs> applied for entrance to do an entrance exam to the Greek Orthodox Theological Seminary to be a nun. Of which I thought are you serious? Be, oh, it would be so funny. Like I remember, my mother was mortified. She's like, Christina. No convent would have you. I'm like, it's okay. I'll hang out with the monks. But anyway, so anyway, it's like, and so, uh, that, that was not going to end well, but I would say I, so I had a a God consciousness, but you know, I was, um, Jamie, I was at 33. I found out I was adopted. So I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. And then, um, I was adopted into a great family, but you know, other people that had access to our home that my parents should have been able to trust, but but didn't, you know, I was sexually abused by four different men for 12 years. And that really messes with you. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, I was so broken. I was, you know, just full of shame and full of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and Very, very confused about my gender identity, just so broken. You know, I think 12 12 years of sexual abuse that starts before you go to school, it tends to have that kind of effect on you. You know, I had so much developmental wounding and so much damage. And so then in my uh, teens, I mean, it's what you would expect. And in my late teens, I, I just was in such patterns. I had developed such patterns of destructive behavior, and certainly patterns of relational destructive behavior. I was, I didn't even know in many ways, I was looking for mother wounds to be healed. I, you know, the sexual abuse had just so messed me up in so many ways that I was trying to get from people what ultimately I could only get from God. But then at 21 on my 21st birthday, I was on a balcony in Zurich, Switzerland. And, you know, to be honest, I had a beer in one hand, a cigarette in the other. And it was just, at that moment, at that place, I really encountered Jesus um, in a very, very real way. And that was where I say the beginning of my transformation really, really started. I, I made a decision that whatever the cost was, whatever I would have to face, I would come back to Australia because I'd kind of been running away on a go-to-the-other-side-of-the-world trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back to Australia, finished my university at Sydney University, uh, my degree in English and Economic History, so, you know, I can read golden books and count it. it. And then and I it was just about a year after that that someone invited me to church and rem, and I had had very little experience with the Protestant Church so I didn't really know and someone took me to what now you all know as Hillsong Church and I remember mm-hmm. walking in on uh, a six o'clock service on a Sunday night on the 29th of January 1989 and I can I'm just you know I can basically pinpoint that night was the beginning of of a dramatic change in my life. I've never looked Mm. back by God's grace from then. And I think, of course, that had a lot to do with getting planted in a local church. I'm a local church lover because it has just so helped me. I've been in one church for, you know, 29 years, seen the good, bad and ugly, but but you know what? It's been good to me. I love the church. Mm -hmm. And then I began, I think what really began my transformation process is I got involved in a small group built around the teaching of the word. And so I started to get rooted and grounded in the word and Jesus saved my soul, but the word renewed my mind and changed my life. And um, I became a lover of the word of God. And um, which is why, you know, you go, Chris, you preach with such passion and such a commitment to truth. It's because it set me free. You know, I mean, I don't even know what to say. There was so much damage, Jamie, I was so screwed up. There was so much damage in my life. And it was and yes, I've had a lot of counseling, a lot of prayer counseling. And I've gone to counselors, great Christian counselors that have just helped me process so much of my pain of my past. But ultimately, it's been rooted and grounded in the word of ongoing commitment to local church and being accountable to people that has resulted in the greatest growth in my life and the ministry that you all see today, A21 Propel Women, Equip and Empower, all that has come out of that, I think.
0: You know, I think it's really good for people to hear your story because they're hearing someone who's been through a lot Yeah, and has been like in the bottom, like you. Like I've been in the pit, uh, endured of this abuse, all of these things, and then God has used you so greatly. Because I think so many times people think I. Am not able to be used.
1: Yeah, I think you are so right, especially you know in areas of sexual brokenness and just different things. But I have found that the very things often that the enemy uses and accuses us and tries to make us think disqualifies us from being used by God um, are the very things. That God uses to qualify us. And I think, Jamie, to be honest, every time we put a trafficker in jail Mm. or we rescue, you know, a young woman, a young man, a child um, out of sex trafficking or forced labor trafficking, I feel like uh, Joseph did in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where he spoke to his brothers and he said, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for this very purpose to save many people alive. And I feel like... All of that brokenness of my past, the abandonment, the rejection, the abuse, the struggle about my identity... All of those things, not finding out I was adopted until I was 33. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you've ever seen the Truman Show, go. <laughs> um, that's how I felt. Like, what? What else is not true? Right. You know, like, whoa. I mean, that was just like a major shock to be told at 33 years old that you're not who you thought you were. Uh, your name, your heritage, your history, your family, your brothers. At 33, to find out you're adopted. I think all of those things. When I look at now what God's doing, setting women free with. Propel Women, setting the captives free, you know, through um, a twenty-one and the teaching ministry and the books and the television through Equipment in Power and proclaiming the truth of God's word. Every piece of my, God never wastes a hurt. Mm. Every piece of that brokenness, God has redeemed or is redeeming and using my past to give someone else a future.
0: It's so true. And that's what he does. He says he'll do it and he does it. How, I've heard you mention this, orphan spirit before. How has your past, you mentioned you were, you know, a town that you adopted at 33, you were left unwanted, unnamed. How does that stir you on to combat that in people's lives, this orphan spirit that they might feel?
1: You know, I think it's a big one. And, and um, you know, I've often asked the Lord, why did I have to walk mm-hmm. through it so painfully and so dramatically? But when I think of by his grace, you know, the millions of people that I'm able to help around the world, that orphan spirit is in so many, whether it's with the refugee, the immigrant, or even people, just people that come from what would seemingly be normal families. You know, I figured that everyone everyone comes from a dysfunctional family because we are all fallen and broken and live in a flawed world and sin, you know, impacts everybody. So there is no such thing as a perfect family or a non-flawed person. So what I've found is that orphan spirit, permeates and affects and impacts actually everyone. And that's why God places the solitary in families. And I think obviously that's why he uses the phrase that we've all been adopted in to the family of God because the truth, we were all once slaves and foreigners and outcasts. And the fact is that if we could understand that that orphan spirit actually affects us all in one way or another until we're reconciled to God. But oftentimes, even those of us that have been reconciled to Christ and are now part of his church, really don't know what it is to be a true son or daughter of the King. And so this whole identity in Christ issue is a major issue for every Christ follower, whether you came from a functional or a dysfunctional family, whether you were adopted uh, like I was, or whether you're a biological child of your parents. Ultimately, though, I think a lot of the challenge on this side of eternity is each one of us as sons and daughters of the King discovering what is it to be a son, or a daughter of the King? What is it to be God's child? What is it to be adopted into the family of God? What is my new identity? See, for me, I had to wrestle with all of this because my own natural family was so flawed and my Mm -hmm. own natural condition uh, lent itself to, if I did not get my identity in Christ, Jamie, I don't think I would be here today. I mean, you, you have, when I say, I just came back from Australia. I was just at our women's conference in Australia and my my closest girlfriend of over 30 years, Kylie, she said we're in a group there, in a small group, and she goes, I wish I could be the one that could stand in the gap for Christine when she tells the world you have no idea how broken I was. She goes, the world really has no idea because – you would really, mm-hmm. really understand my passion and why you go, whoa, she's pretty full on and focused because I was such a mess and such a wreck and I do know the power of God unto salvation and the power of God to rest- redeem and restore and the fight I have had to renew my mind to discover what is it to be a daughter of the king? What is Is it to be a royal priesthood, part of a chosen, you know, like what does all that stuff mean when you've been abandoned and rejected and discarded and the enemy has lied and used you um, and you don't even belong to a, a proper family and your own family that's adopted you has lied to you for 33 years So what does it mean to be adopted into the family of God? What does my new identity in Christ mean? What does victory in Christ, what does it mean to be seated in heavenly places with him? For me, that is not just... um, Rhetoric or some sort of, you know, hyper faith kind of gospel. I have had to wrestle with this stuff to discover what my identity in Christ is, which helps me to preach and teach from a place of of strength and and grounding in the Word because I've lived it. And so when I go, we fight from victory and an empty tomb and as resurrected Christ, this stuff is real to me. You know what I mean? So that that's right. <laughs>
0: I wonder if when you're talking about this, and I'm super passionate about understanding our identity, because I too have come from so broken choices on my own behalf that I've made, not someone made them for me, but I look back and I see people around, like even people at church or friends that I know, and they don't have this joy and this abundance that is available to us. And sometimes I wonder, do you really believe who you are in Jesus? And do you really believe like all the things that you just said, that you're a royal priest and, and all of these things, because I feel like sometimes when we're not believing those things is when we can look around at our circumstances and feel as though, God, have you, have you forgotten me?
1: Have you, are you here? That's a great point. And I think that's why, you know, the Bible says the enemy is the accuser of the brethren and he is so gainfully employed doing what he does best. And sometimes we forget that there is an enemy and he is real. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, that he wants to, he comes to steal, kill and destroy. And I think he wants to always undermine that place of our position in Christ, because if he can undermine that and say to us, you know, you're not worthy enough, you're not good enough, you're really not, not that, then you tend you you act out of who believe, who you believe you are. So if you know that you're a daughter of the king, well, a princess knows how she acts. So therefore, I don't spend my life on earth trying not to sin and trying not to be bad and you know trying not to do these wrong things. I hopefully act out of who I know I am. And so I'm so busy doing all the things that God has created me to do and being who he's created me to be, that I'm not just trying to avoid all the bad stuff because I'm doing all the good stuff, but that stems from knowing who I am in Christ. And I think sometimes um, our confidence can be interpreted by others as arrogance. And because we don't want to appear arrogant, we minimize our confidence and we step back, especially as women of God, you know, Mm -hmm. we're just like, I don't want anyone to think I'm arrogant. I don't want anyone to think that I think more highly of myself than I ought. But scripture says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but don't think lower of yourself than you ought. Just have a reasonable, just have a right understanding of who you are. And I think when you understand who you are and you know who God is, it's quite easy to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. We don't need to humble each other and pull each other down. Uh, That's why you will find with me, you know, people like Chris, you always speak uh, courage into people. You speak faith into people. You lift people up. You're life-giving. And I think, you know, the enemy spends so much time trying to diminish us and minimize us and fill us with shame and guilt and condemnation. I want to spend my time reminding us, who we are in Christ, what he has called us to do, and putting courage in us. And I think that's why Joshua said, only be strong and very courageous, the Lord said to Joshua, because you will not possess the promises God has for you if you do not have the strength and courage of knowing who you are in Christ. And society will try to redefine you. Your friends often will try to minimize you. And I just think, you know, definitely the enemy will try to discourage you. So you've got to get some people around you that will remind you who you mm. are.
0: Amen. Okay, we can just finish right now. We're done. That was it. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Okay, guys, I know you're loving this conversation with Christine as much as I did. The first time I listened, when I was there, and when I'm listening again, it's such good stuff, but I want to take a moment to pause real quick and thank two of our sponsors for the show. The first one is Wink. Wink, it's spelled W-I-N-C. Here's what Wink does is Wink makes it easy to discover great wine by shipping wines that are personalized for you right to your door. Have you ever walked around the store just going, I don't even know what to do here, and then you just pick up a label that you like? Well, Wink is here to help you. Actually, what you're going to do is answer a few simple questions in their palette profile quiz, like how do you take your coffee and how do you feel about blueberries? And then Wink is going to send you wines that are curated for your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections begin. It might become the best day of your month, and all of their bottles of wine start at just $13 a bottle. Each month, there are new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé, no membership fees, skip any month, cancel any time. Shipping is covered. And if you don't like a bottle, they're going to replace it with the one that you are going to love. So discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash happy hour, and you're going to get $20 off your first shipment. That's try, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com slash happy hour for $20 off. Okay, guys, I also want to thank another sponsor, and that is Lola Tampons. Let's get real for a second, you guys. Did you know that the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their tampons? So most of them don't. Most major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their tampons, including rayon and polyester. Their tampons may also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Here's what sets Lola apart is Lola Tampons are 100% cotton with BPA-free plastic applicators lola is going to make your month a little bit easier here's how you guys it's a subscription and their subscription is fully customizable so that you can choose your mix of light regular and supers your number of boxes frequency that you need them because you know your body best and so you get to decide which tampons you receive lola subscription is super flexible you can change skip or cancel at any time They're going to email you two days before your box or boxes are supposed to ship. So there's no surprises. There's no gimmicks. Guys, this company is founded by women for women. And now you guys, they're offering pads and liners as well as non-applicator tampons for those looking for a more environmentally friendly option. Also, you can do good with your purchase. For every purchase that you make with Lola, they're going to donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S., Guys, I use Lola and the convenience of having it shipped to your door and the convenience of able to pick out exactly which size tampons that I need for my body is exactly what I love. Also, the BPA-free, it leaves me worry-free about what I'm putting in my body. Right now, you get 40% off your first order. Visit MyLola.com and enter Happy Hour 40. My com. Use the promo code happy hour 40 to get 40% off your first order. All right, guys, back to the rest of my conversation with Christine. Okay. So you have a new book coming out next week and it's called unexpected leave fear behind, move forward in faith and embrace the adventure. And I'm telling you, I was, um, I got an advanced copy and I've been reading some of it. And I I was, I was thinking earlier today when I was thinking of talking, I was like, man, this feels like such a, like such a time as this for this message right here. You know, I I know Uh sometimes even being in ministry, I'm like, what am I fearful of? Am I fearful of doing these things? I live in Austin, Texas, and we just endured two weeks of this serial bomber wrecking terror on our city. And yes. so there was a lot of fear, all of these things. And so there's a life is unexpected. I mean, you get the call like, like you've walked through that says, Hey, it's cancer. Or you get the call that something's happened to your family, whatever. It's going to happen to all of us. It is what is going to happen in this life. And you are saying to people through this book is that we can, we can still trust God in the midst of this stuff. What have you had? What unexpected circumstances have you faced in your life that you've had to walk through? I mean, there's probably a thousand. Give me one. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm thinking, and I, I love that you said uh, that you feel that it's,
1: you know, for a time such as now, book because mm-hmm. I, I believe that too. I've sort of watched the last, you know, three or four years. I mean, the yeah. world has yeah. gone cray-cray. There's no doubt about it. That's the bottom line. And so what I've really reflected on is just how Christians have been navigating the cray-cray. And I think it's only when the unexpected happens, which, hello, that's called living in this fallen world. So politically, socially, economically, environmentally, morally, welcome to life. You know, the world is cray-cray. So watching how Christians navigate that, Actually, the unexpected occurrences in life reveal what we really believe about God and his sovereignty. And I think if that's all it took to knock you off, as in to to either undermine your faith or to challenge your faith, what is going to happen when real persecution and real craziness blows out, because this is only a taste, right. if we really believe the Bible, then I'm telling you, things are just heating up. I mean, there is a lot of stuff that's going to happen. And yet God has said that we are the best people at this time in history to be his salt and his light on this earth. Therefore, we must be wired up to be able to bring peace into chaotic situations, hope into a hopeless world, faith into a faithless world. So what does it mean in the midst of terror attacks like you guys have just been through, in the midst of rescuing the victims of human trafficking, when you see evil at an unprecedented level, when there's pain and suffering, you know, like me, you find out you're adopted or you get a cancer diagnosis or you've been betrayed by a close friend. or I mean, there is just stuff that happens to us all. Every day. But Jesus never said that you're not going to go through trials. He didn't Mm -hmm. say if trials come. He said when, when. (laughs) Um, You know, the book of James says that in this world you will have trouble. Jesus goes, but be of good cheer. I have overcome this world. So you go, if we're going to freak out every time, there is bad news or there is trouble or there is a negative diagnosis, then I wonder what our faith was rooted and grounded on anyway, because trouble reveals what's in you. The scripture says in Hebrews that only those things that can be shaken will be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. So troubles reveal to you what you really believe about God. Are you looking for a God that you can control Or are you serving a God that you trust? You will never know until trials come whether you trust God or whether you're trying to control God. So if you've built a God in your own image that is only going to do all the good stuff and keep you safe, um, then somehow, I don't know what God you're serving, but it's not the God of the Bible because trials will come, suffering will come, but Jesus says in the midst of that, be of good cheer. In the midst of that, he has overcome the world and the same power, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me. Therefore, I have the power of God living in me to respond in a certain way, to a negative diagnosis, to respond to the challenges of our world, to the terror in our world, to raising daughters in a morally crazy world, in a world of shifting sand and changing landscapes. God has given me wisdom from heaven to know how to raise them in this time. God has given me the ability to be the wife that I need to be. God has given me the ability to be the salt and light that I need to be in the midst of a dark and a broken world. And the purpose of light is to illuminate the darkness anyway. I am no use to a lost and a broken world Mm. if I'm going to freak out in the same way as the world freaks out every time something happens. So I'm, you know, why I wrote it was every chapter, it actually depicts, you know, a challenge or a tragedy or disappointment or someone not being able to have children when they wanted to have children or the loss of a child or navigating sickness or navigating a financial disaster or all the stuff that is called life. That doesn't exempt us from from having faith. Faith is not calling those things that are as though they are not. So when I got the cancer diagnosis, it's not faith for me to go, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer, that's called lying. Right. <laughs> that's not called faith, that's called lying. But faith is calling those things that are not as though they are. That means I can call forth my healing that's not yet manifest, but I'm going to get those scriptures. I'm going to get faith people around me. I'm going to also do all the medical things that I need to be doing at the same time, but I'm going to be believing for God's grace. When there's a challenge with one of my daughter, I'm going to be believing that his grace is sufficient for today. And I'm going to have the wisdom for today to know what I need to do. But although I can't control my circumstances, I can trust my God. Mm. And basically, if you'd say, what, how do you sum up this book? I want to put faith into people to trust that God will never leave you nor forsake you despite what is happening, whether you're going to find out you're adopted at 33, whether you're going to overcome the pain of sexual abuse, and I've walked that one to hell and back, mm. whether mm. you are going to launch a new ministry, whether you are going to just see that the world, there is terror strikes, there is pain and suffering, whatever it is that you're going to walk into. I think the greatest promise in the scripture, one that we often overlook or we minimize, but for me personally is the single greatest promise in the scripture is when Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you because that is the Jesus that I have found in my deepest struggle, my greatest pain, my greatest disappointment and my greatest heartache. It is well with my soul ultimately because Jesus has never left me. People Mm -hmm. have. People have really let me down. People have violated me and people have hurt me. But when I have learned to make what Jesus did for me bigger than what they did to me, then I can always expect my God to be good even when unexpected bad situations happen to Mm. me.
0: Because the truth is Christians and non-Christians, we all live in the same world. We're all living in the same cray-cray world. Huh. And so how do we react to it is how we are set apart. You know, we're set yes. apart as different because we have a hope and a faith that will not let us down It will not put him to shame. Um, so I think that this book is going to be really, really valuable um, for people as they get their hands on it. Again, it comes out next week. Now, I want to congratulate you because I know in December – your organization, A21, received a really, really great award—the um, yeah. Global Humanitarian Award, uh, the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for Social Justice. Uh-huh. I, I need to know. I need to know what you felt when this happened.
1: Okay. Well, let me tell you, in all honesty, when I first got the email, and you know, it sort of. Um, it has this thing like, you know, 821 and you are the recipients of this award and it goes on with um, former recipients of this award <laughs> were the Dalai Lama, Malala, White Helmets, um, Doctors Without Borders. I honestly thought that one of my friends was playing a joke because on me. You a joke. <laughs> I'm like, I called the person I thought it was because they would do this and I said, ha, 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 you know, and then they're like, Christine, I didn't send the email and I'm like you're joking like I really didn't believe them so I was too embarrassed I got my uh, my PA to I go call this organization I said I think they might have sent the email to the wrong person you know like I really did not think it was right anyway it came out that it was true so my husband Nick and I flew to Mumbai India and um were, you know, presented with the, the Mother Teresa Social Justice Memorial Award for our work with uh, refugees and and helping to eradicate slavery. And it was so surreal, Jamie. I'm standing on this stage in Mumbai, India, with Gandhi's great-grandson. I can't uh, even comprehend it. Now, no, no. and he's giving me this award, and I'm kind of like... Everything in me wanted to like pull out my phone and go. Would it be appropriate to take like a selfie? But you know, <laughs> it's kind of like um, I just thought that's probably a bit tacky. But it was um. One of the most surreal, you know when you're having like an out-of-body experience, like is this really happening? Is this, uh, yeah. and I just, here I am. Like, yes, we got it. Well, what an honour. I mean, what an honour. And let uh, me just say that. When they were playing, before I got up to receive the award and, you know, I had to speak, I spoke um, after the Vice President of Afghanistan, so it was like a movie. You're like, oh, <laughs> of course I would be getting up after the Vice President of Afghanistan. But they showed this 20-minute beautiful documentary on mother Teresa. Okay. I didn't even want to walk on the stage. I I wanted to get up and go, I'm not worthy to tie her sandals. I'm not like, Uh, I don't even know why I'm up here,
0: but it was like very, very moving. Well, congratulations. And I know you guys just rolled out a new campaign, uh, with a 21. Can you just give us real quick, because there may be people who are listening who don't know about this organization. What, what is your what is your mission? Tell us real quick about Eight Twenty One.
1: Yeah, quickly. It, it, it's a global anti-trafficking organization. Of course, our mission is to abolish slavery everywhere forever. So we pray that you know, alongside a lot of other great organizations, we're we're able to accomplish that. But we've been going for ten years. This year, we have uh, fourteen offices in twelve countries, and the Can You See Me campaign that you just talked about is huge. It's a huge global. Uh, campaign. And here in America, uh, we've rolled it out with, you know, the Department of Justice and the Department of Transport and Polaris. And so you will see posters and films um, in airports all around the world, every continent of the world, every major airport, uh, train stations, um, bus stations, helping people to identify potential victims of trafficking and then giving them a hotline number. If you see something, say something. So, you know, we're involved in everything from Uh, investigation, to prevention, um, to aftercare, so rescue, restore, the whole nine yards in
0: um, 12 countries around the world. I'm a big fan. I get to work here in our local jail, and a part of our initiation there is helping women self-identify if they've been trafficked, and I cannot tell you how many women who are incarcerated have never heard of the word sex trafficking, but when we tell them what it is, they have said, this has been my life, and so It is a a big underhaul, but I am, I'm with you on ending this forever. Um, Christine, I just spent a weekend with Lisa Harper, and I know you guys are two great friends. Oh, come on! You know she's like my uh, non-biological sister. I know she told me, and I met Missy. All the things we were at an event together, and um, she told me to tell you jokingly that she's been working out and she's gonna she's gonna take you on in a push-up contest. So uh. <laughs> no, no, no. She's dreaming. I'm a younger woman than her. Just remind her. <laughs> uh, it was a joy to be with her. Um, okay, Christine, I want to know what are you loving these days? Like, what is something that you're you loving and what are you reading? Okay. There's a couple of things that um, I'm, I'm loving
1: right now. My daughters, you know, I've been waiting for my daughters to become teenagers because I was a youth worker for 15 years. And so when you're in youth ministry for 15 years, you never grow up. Bye. And so I've been busting for my kids to get to their teenage years and the most fun, fruitful time. I mean, I've got a 16 year old and a 12 year old, but We are the house everyone wants to come to. My daughters are not embarrassed of me, which is awesome. And, you know, there's not one thing we don't talk about. I have, I've been waiting for this season. So the single greatest season of my mothering life is this life. I love the, of my whole ministry life of my life is like parenting teenage. I know one's 12, but she's on her way to 13. But (laughs) teenagers is the single greatest season of my whole life.
0: I love it as well. My, I have a 14 year old. My husband and I—we actually love hanging out with him, and he loves hanging out with us. And so it's—I love teenagers as well. This is where my husband and I have said we're going to thrive. Like we're going to thrive with teenagers. The babies, I'm like, uh, no, I don't. I'm I'm into diapers. I'm
1: into whatever. But this, I I live for (laughs) this. Me too. Me too. Okay, what else are you loving? I love. I'm planning um, a trip with my husband and kids to Europe in the summer. You know, the the, the fact is that I'm Greek. I'm, Greek is my first language. And so um, we're planning a beautiful trip to Greece, Spain, France, Italy and Sweden. So I'm just, I'm hanging for that. So I'm loving oh, all
0: of that. I love that. I love that.
1: And just a totally different thing is I started a master's last year at Wheaton on evangelism and leadership, and I'm, I'm in a Propel cohort with 25 other women. I'm loving uh, studying that and doing that. So that's a lot of fun.
0: That's great. That's great. Um, and Propel, we didn't even talk about that, but Lisa, you know, I told you I was with her and she was just raving on Propel and I told her, I've got to get to one. You
1: got a girlfriend and I think oh, we're going to be in Houston. So that's pretty close to you. We're going to be in
0: Houston later in the year.
1: And so um, we've got six events coming up later in the year. I think the Lord's just doing amazing things. I'm watching women get set free and really being propelled um, into their passion. So I'm, I'm loving what God's doing with that. And I'm reading current, I mean, I'm always reading about seven books on the go, but the one that I'm really taking my time to go through at the moment is um, a book called Life Without Lack um, living in the fullness of Psalm 23 by Dallas Willard. And I'm really loving that at the moment.
0: Oh, that sounds really fabulous that I could use in my life as well. Uh, Christine, I cannot tell you what a joy it's been to have you on here. And when this comes out, I'm basically just going to set it up as ladies, put your headphones on, sit down and just be encouraged to know what your identity is and to live in the fullness of Christ.
1: I love that. And um, I love that you are just championing women as well, Jamie. What you're doing is is incredible. I didn't realize that that whole identity thing is a big thing for you too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I have a lot of sexual sin in my past. God changed my life. And I lived in a lot of shame after I first got married because I married a pastor and I had been just living my living for myself for many years and I had to fight that and I overcame that. But man, it still rears its ugly head in some time. And sure. I'm just really passionate about women not walking around living in that shame because that's not what God saved us for. He did not save us for that. Come on. So <laughs> yeah, love it, love it, love it. Well, Christine, thank you so much. And everyone, her book Unexpected comes out next Tuesday, May 8th check it out. You can order it now, anywhere books are sold, get your hands on it and try to get to a Propel event this year as well. And maybe I'll see you there as well. Christine, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Jamie. Love you, girlfriend. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, don't forget, if you are interested in knowing more about sponsoring a child through Compassion International for my 40th birthday, go to compassion.com slash Jamie and see what you can do there. Okay. Y'all, when Christine said, our confidence can sometimes be confused with arrogance. Anyone raise your praise hands on that one? I loved all of Christine's words that she said, and I know that you did as well. I hope that you're encouraged and challenged as you listen to her show today. If you're interested in picking up Christine's new book, Unexpected, go to Amazon today and pre-order it. Then on May 8th, you guys, it's going to be showing up on your doorstep. Guys, if you need any information we talked about today, anything from the sponsors of the show to a book that Christine mentioned to Compassion International, we put everything up on my blog, jamieivy.com slash blog. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Next week, my guest is Mo Isom, and if you do not know Mo, you need to know Mo. She came and joined me in my studio, and it was such a treat for me. She's coming up here next week. She's the author of Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot. So you guys know we're going to have good conversations in here. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys right back here next week with my friend Mo.